or imputation. That's not in there either, but impute is, right? And so, if glorification is not there, then what is there? Well, there's quite a bit. Actually, if you put in G-L-O-R asterisk, okay, in blue letter, G-L-O-R asterisk, you're going to find 488 verses that have some variation on the word glory. 488. But now let me help you break that down just a little bit since you guys are taking notes. These are the words that you want to look for, okay? That's going to be glory, obviously. Gloriest. Not Y, but R-I-E-S-T. This is a slide. This would have been a slide for you. <laughs> Gloriest. E-T-H. <coughs> Glorious.
Romans 28, Romans 8, excuse me, 28 through 30, says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. Oh, okay. It's a very familiar passage, and so now let's just dig in a little bit of what we see here. So the first thing of note that you should kind of make note of is there's a benefit to those that love God. There's a benefit to those that love God. It says there, and specifically, all things work together for good. See, the thing that you need to understand is all of life has a purpose to accomplish. See, for the believer, you're not just in the throes of life for nothing and for no good reason. There is a purpose that the Lord is wanting to accomplish. Obviously, that is to conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. You also see something that's really important is we have been called according to his purpose. So now, this tells me something that there's a purpose behind this call. Obviously, it's to make family, sons and daughters. But it's also that he would have servants to further the kingdom. See, this helps make the former more sense. I'm called, and then I respond, and then I have challenges and trials and change in life. All of these things are happening simultaneously, but again, it's not for any, just no reason. Then he says something that seemingly is out of place. But he, Paul, is connecting a linear idea, which is kind of funny to me because nothing about the Bible is linear, really. <laughs> you know, it's all over the place. It's not in chronological order. I mean, right? But this concept of what he just said is linear. And it's this. Foreknowledge, predestination, call, justification, glorification. That's how that goes. I just put it in the order that the Bible put it in. And so on the foreknowledge side of it, what are we talking about? Well, God knows I will be born, obviously. He's outside of time and space, so he knows that. On the predestination side, God wants me to be a son and to be with him in heaven for eternity. So you guys remember when we did our study on predestination, we were talking about that in particular, that this doesn't mean that the Lord is doing a zeros and ones, picking who will be saved, but essentially that there is a plan as a result of that salvation. Okay? There's something waiting for you in heaven. There's this transformation that needs to take place here on earth, which is to be conformed to the image of the Son. The Lord has predestinated that in salvation. It's just not a get-out-of-hell uh, free card, like some people treat it. Then next would be the call. God sends the law to define for me his righteousness and my sin. But then, don't miss this. God sends his son to fulfill the law and become my sin on the cross. 
huge. So here's the deal with this call. This call goes out. The Lord has had his righteousness on the earth and available for all of mankind to be able to witness. And what the law very much did was highlight, man, I'm a sinner, separated. There's no way that I can please God. I can't do all these things that the law is suggesting. So then he sends his son and says, well, I'm going to fulfill the law. Now you don't have to do it. He did. So he becomes my sin on the cross. So now this, why is this a call? Because remember what I said earlier, the Lord wants sons and daughters. This triggers something in us. It must be a response. See, you don't want to have a call and the phone just keeps ringing and you don't pick up. Now the Lord, because he's faithful to you, he will just keep calling. I mean, it just, I mean, the phone is just perpetually ringing until you pick up. And so when I respond, what has to take place? There must be a full agreement that I'm a sinner that needs a Savior. So I repent of my sin and ask Jesus to be my Lord. That's how you get saved. It's not by baptism. It's not by uh, uh, attending church. It's not by trying to earn some kind of way. It is that I must agree with God that I'm a sinner, separated from him, and that only his son is righteous. And I believe, right, that he is the son of God, born of a virgin, lived this perfect son's life, was murdered, was buried, and then rose again on the third day. Why? Because we serve the living God. So I must respond to that. And then the Bible says, in that verse in particular, it moves rather quickly. It goes right into justification. See, God justifies me through Jesus Christ, not my own effort. God is not impressed with my exploits. The thing is, I always, I'm just trying to get people to wrap their head around this concept of work and why I work now and the whole idea of like working beforehand. Well, beforehand, if it was works-based, then essentially I'd be trying to earn this sonship position. But that's not what's taking place. By God's mercy and grace, he sent his son. If I believe that he is the son of God, confess my sin, I become a son. Now, why am I working? It's because, well, in dad's house, there's chores. So I'm not changing the fact that I'm, you know, I'm, well, maybe we accept me. No, I'm in. Now I'm just working because dad likes it when I wash the dishes. Which, you know, we share the gospel. We got to figure out which chore that would be. Vacuuming, it's going to be like shit. I don't know. <laughs> but you get the analogy, right? It's like now that work is tied to that, okay? And then glorification. And God does what? It's interesting. If you scripture reference that verse, and you're looking for, you know, how Blue Letter will embolden whatever it is that they're going to uh, give you more insight on, uh, good luck, because glorified ain't going to pull up nothing. <laughs> you're like, man, well, what happened? What's up with that? 
pay attention to something. The tense is past. Let's read it again. In, in 28 and 30 it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, whom he called, and he justified, whom he justified, them he also glorified. So now you really kind of have like a past and present tense. See, this takes place at the moment of salvation. But I want to suggest to you that it's not all that has taken place with glorification. If we go up a little higher in Romans 8, you're going to find another set of verses that's going to mention this glorification process. That's going to be in 16 and 17, if you would, just move your move up a little bit. Let's see what this tense is. Because the one we got, okay, that's salvation. Glorify. Got it. Perfect. Okay? But now let's see what this is. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If, very important, if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. Uh, what tense is that? Future. Okay, you guys see that? So we got we got a lot happening here. It's all in Romans 8. So we are glorified now and later. Okay. Got it. Clear as mud? Yes. Perfect. Okay, so John 17, 4 through 10, maybe will help to give you some more insight into this concept. And you're going to see it again. One of the things that you want to do when you're, whenever you're like studying the Bible, just so you stay, keep your head on straight, is scripture references. You want to see concepts that you're seeing elsewhere so that way you don't fall off the cliff of bad doctrine crazy thing and all of that. Now, I will say, just for our visitors here, um, that, you know, what we're looking at in, in Romans 8 is, uh, is uh, a kingdom of God, and now we're in kingdom of heaven side of things because this is still the gospel, and so the law kind of is still present. Jesus hasn't been resurrected yet, okay? And so, just stick with me. But listen to this. The Lord is going to deliver this concept again. John 17, 4 through 10 says, I have glorified thee on the earth, Jesus speaking. I have finished the works which, which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. There was a lot there, right? Probably should read again. <laughs> okay. Verse 5. And now, O Father, Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. 
and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them, and have surely uh, known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and I am glorified in them. Present tense. Okay? With me? So Jesus is glorified in us. Now, go down a little further in John 17, 20 and 20, 20 through 24. It says this, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. Okay, now, this side note, this is just another thing that just adds to the fact that there's a purpose to your salvation. He just said right here. Why? Because they've been commanded the Great Commission. Go ye therefore. It's a little precursor to that, <laughs> you know. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word, who? The disciples, okay, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that thou also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So you see, here's that future tense. Again, where it's going to be this, where he's at. Hey, Lord, grant them access. Okay. See, Jesus wants us to behold his glory. He's obviously not glorified in this spot. He will be very much. And in heaven, obviously, he would have his that beautiful form and when he returns and, and all of those things. And again, I don't want to get you off track of just what we're looking at here. But I want you to at least see present tense glorification, future tense, and eternity. Okay? So now let's get our definition. Glorification is the process where God gives honor to his children. Okay? Glorification is the process where God gives honor to his children. First by salvation, second by faithfulness and service. First by salvation, second by faithfulness and service. See, this, this thing of beholding his glory... And we know this, those of us that, you know, kind of just been here for a while, we understand that the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment based on what I've done as a result of being saved. Okay? It's not, he's not judging whether I'm saved or not. That's already been settled at the cross. But now, what's going to happen is this judgment seat of Christ is, what did you do with the time that I gave you to be on earth? Did you further the kingdom? Okay? That's a big deal. So here's the deal. Let's say you say, I'm opting out. I'm not doing that. Maybe you kind of, you know, you're up and down. You're more down than up. Bus hits you back. 
dead. Stand in front of the Lord. Guess what? You will wake up in heaven. But you're going to have to answer to being more down and up. And see, and this is the part that was so critical in that Romans 8, 17 of what, he, what he's saying there. These, if, you be, if so be that you suffer. Right? Okay. So, glorification process where God gives honor to his children. So get this down. Believing on the name of Jesus brings you glory and guarantees a place in heaven. I'll slow down here. Let me take a drink, actually, first. Then I'll repeat that. Believing on the name of Jesus brings you glory and guarantees a place in heaven. But if you want to be a joint heir, then you have to be faithful to further his kingdom. want to be a joint heir, then you have to be faithful to further his kingdom. And so while we're talking about all this glory for us, let me just put a stamp down right here. Key point number one, there is no glory for the lost. Saith the Lord, how Heshbon, 
for AI spoil. Cry ye daughters of Rabbah, gird ye with sackcloth, lament, and run to and fro by the hedges, for their king shall go into captivity, and his priests and his princes together. Don't miss this. Wherefore, glorious thou in the valleys. And then he calls them a flowing valley. Now just think about that. Though all those verses about mountaintops should be fired in your head, and the Lord just said that your boast, you're boasting in a valley. You don't have anything. And I'm about to show you what you don't have. And then he calls them thy flowing valley, O backsliding daughter, that trusted in her treasure, saying, Who shall come unto me? Behold, I will bring a fear upon thee, saith the Lord God of hosts, from all those that be about thee, and you shall be driven out every man right forth, and none shall gather up him that wander. And afterward I will bring again the captivity of the children of Ammon, saith the Lord. That's what happens with the loss and their glory. It's worthless. Worthless. So this is what I'm saying this morning in terms of that boast. So you got something on the glorification side with all this benefit. But man, you also have people around you that have none of that. None of that. This is not pleasant, nor should we be so comfortable with the payout of God's wrath. Believer, listen. In terms of just where our heart is and understanding that essentially there is no glory for, for, the, for the loss. I mean, sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes we kind of feel like, man, it's due them. Especially as the church just gets attacked more and more, people become more vocal and anti-church, and, and pretty soon, excuse me, I would imagine, we'll see more legislation that will just show up. And listen, man, we're not, we don't even talk politics in this place like that. But it's just, it's just the order of the day. That's where we're at. And yet, I'm still suggesting to you to have mercy on those because they have nothing. They have nothing. For all the boasting that they're doing, all the ways that they ignore, what, what, to what end? That's the end. See, the practical is this. This light you now have, have has to be shown on those that are without him. This is why I, I keep running this point to you in terms of this glorification. It's not just um, like a new fresh outfit, <laughs> you know. Oh man, I look good. So now praise comes my direction because the Lord changed my clothes from gray clothes to his clothes. No. Man, he gave you this so that you would give it. We have to be advocates for the kingdom. Get this now. In us, in us, humility, not judgment, is critical to seeing soul saved. We are developing a heart attitude, and it's going to be us versus them type mentality that is not going to work for building God's kingdom. Humility, not judgment, is critical to seeing souls saved. 
You let the Lord judge. The, the, listen, what did Jesus say? I come not to condemn. They already have that. There's no need for him to come down and tell them, you are awful. Oh, I know. I know that. So then, what I, with what I now have in this, this glorification that has taken place just solely on the present tense thing, how do I use that? Do I use that to shed a light to those around? Or do I just get frustrated with them? And then ignore them or remove myself from them. Listen, you know we give plenty of opportunity for you to be in this place, whether it's Sunday morning or Tuesday or Bible study time, right? Discipleship time. Like those are all the times that you're going to be basically at a home plate. You know, it's safe, it's good. I mean, yeah, see, like today, the TVs are, we don't care, right? Did we come for the TVs? No. We love each other. We don't need that. Faith Fellowship first five years didn't have that, right? So, this is just, we just went retro. This is. <laughs> okay? Well, listen, hear me. God's heart is that all men might put their trust in Jesus. And the thing out on the question on the floor is this is do you have the same heart? That glorification, man, you bring in more shame if that's not the same heart. It's a beautiful thing that took place in you. Share it. See, Romans 15, 7 through 12 says this. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah said, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. Next key point. Worship is never difficult when you know that mercy is available. Worship is never difficult when you know that mercy is available. God's mercy that provided salvation. But don't miss this, man. Don't miss this. It is God's mercy that gives you the ministry of reconciliation. He doesn't need you to be a part, fumbling the whole thing, half hearted, approaching it. But He wants you. He wants you to see it for yourself. He wants maybe that you would just share simply what it is that took place with you. That maybe on, on some days when 
your flesh is kind of roaring and firing up and you kind of just in the car and you're like, Lord, help me today. Man, my flesh is on fire. I want to, you know, lash out, act out, speak out, say, and Lord, what good is that? You save me from that. See, I love that it keeps saying rejoice and again, praise. Man, can you do that this morning? Can you rejoice this morning? Are you excited about what it is that God has done? Have you looked in the mirror and just simply said, Lord, thank you for saving me? I'm just, I'm just going to, today's gratitude is just simply from that position. Because let me tell you, your flesh is sending signals and reminders of who you were. It's Because it's always there. Right? Always wants to mess up. Always trying to tempt you away. Perhaps it is, guys. You're struggling with worship because you forgot what it took to get you saved in the first place. So you don't let the circumstance or the situation tell you how to worship God. Calvary told you how to worship God. The Ministry of Reconciliation told you. Round in the bin here. Back to join here. In Philippians 1.29 it says this, For unto you it is given on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, don't miss this, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. And so here's our next key point. Suffering isn't necessary for salvation, but it is necessary to show devotion. Suffering isn't necessary for salvation, but it is necessary to show devotion. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. We were talking about the difference between motivation and devotion. And one of the things that can happen is you're motivated emotionally. And you, it's like a fire in you. It happens a lot in church services. Man, praise the Lord. You know, you, you heard a word. It was true. You're going to respond to it. You go down even, right? And maybe it is that you're getting an opportunity to be presented with the gospel, or maybe it's like you need to get baptized or something like that, right? Like there's just something. You're just like, man, God is at work in me. I, man, I got to move. Okay. So you go do it. Here's the deal. Did you actually move from your seat? And you can have that fiery feeling in you, and it just feels like indigestion. You don't actually do anything. Because devotion has followed her. See, you gotta, you gotta make a recognition. There's acknowledgement and devotion that this is something I need to move forward with. Then there's follow through. And then there's finishing. So now you have to start looking at your devotion level. Am 
not devoted. Because maybe you're just in the middle of follow through. But the thing, remember, is our Lord Jesus is the one who gets to say you finish well. Last thing. Acts 14, 22 says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Listen, and that we must, we must, we must tribulation enter into the kingdom. See, the thing I wanted you to be clear on in terms of glorification, we're not talking about, you know, all these other entries of, of glory, but in terms of glorification, there is two parts to that. There's the present tense of that, salvation, but then there's also the future. And guys, you know where my heart is for you. I want you to, excuse me, have everything that God wants for you. The only way you're going to do that is that you faithfully attend upon his word. And so this is why I'm always saying what I'm saying about Bible study and being a part of that, or discipleship. Man, maybe that first line of defense for you is salvation. Because remember, we already saw there is no glory for the lost. The Lord will surely turn that against them. And so, if you don't, in terms of just invitation, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, then man, have a conversation with me today. Let's talk about it. Let me show you a scripture. If you don't know your position and your state, well then let's look in scripture and, and let that define who you are. Because man, listen, the answer is that you receive the free gift. You must believe on the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to get to heaven. And your glory is worthless. With all your beauty or handsomeness, your accomplishments, that will mean nothing in eternity. And so get what it is that God has for you by simply accepting him. And then, then, believer, then get what it is that God has for you by faithfulness. I know, listen, we've got challenges and difficulties, but the thing is, on the floor, is are you, man, are you devoted? Will you follow through on what it is that God has called you to? Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, thank you for today. And Lord, I just pray that uh, we would just faithfully consider what it is that you've done. Lord, you you pushed all your cars to the middle of the table and say, here it is. I've, I've done the hard thing for you. Just believe on me. Man, Lord, uh, Father, I just pray that if anybody in here is just wrestling with that aspect, I'm going to pray that they would just consider uh, believing on the name of Jesus Christ, that they are sinners separated. But then also for the believers in this place, Lord, that we wouldn't just half-heartedly say that we're devoted, uh, you know, put on a good face, so to speak, and not really be about your business. And so, Father, I mean, that starts with me. Uh, and so, Lord, just Help all of us to just be grateful for the cross, be motivated by the cross. And then, Lord, uh, that we would follow through in devotion, knowing that you potentially will say, well done. Father, I pray that we would have a godly desire to hear that from you. Lord, help us to be uh, about your business. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.